Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, teaching pastor at Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith, as well as our You Asked For It series, where we address your questions about trusting God's goodness as Father and living out His fullness as beloved sons and daughters. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at myoverflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional at Amazon.com. If you didn't know this about me, I'm a Texan. I come from Texas, so what I'm about to say is considered grammatically correct where I come from. I just love y'all. I just love y'all. I mean it, theoretically. (laughs) And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Because I see a lot of faces, and where I don't not like you, I just don't really know you. (laughs) But I can say that I love y'all. I love y'all. But here's another thing I can look at some of these students in the front row and some of the leaders over here. Um, I've spent some time with you. Um, I've gotten to know you a little bit, and I love you. I've enjoyed the time that I've gotten to spend with you, and I look forward to more time with you. And I can look at the second row with my family sitting on it. I can say, I love y'all. And it's a little bit different because I know y'all. We've been through some conflict. We've been through some celebrations and some mourning. We've been through some stuff. And I love y'all. That doesn't mean that I don't love y'all. It just means we haven't gotten the opportunity to lean into some of that yet. And perhaps we will and maybe not. But here's um, one of the things that I want to share with you this morning is that I know um, that Scripture says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, And so I don't... Um, I've been asking the Lord how to move loving people from theoretical to practical. And so, um, let me open my notes here. Y'all, this is, you have to pray for me. I'm nervous up here. Um, (laughs) so you see in Texas, um, I grew up in a large family. There are five kids and two adults. I believe that every one of the seven of us would consider ourselves extroverts, (laughs) which means I lived in a a big house, I mean, full of people, and there were also other people at my house often, Um, and you know what? I was around people all the time. I loved that. I thought it was fun. I enjoyed people, but I often still felt lonely, and so I, I remember when looking back at specifically my middle school years, and thinking, man, I was around people all the time. And I really felt disconnected. I really didn't feel like anybody knew me. And I didn't feel like anybody really liked me. Maybe they did. 
I don't know. <laughs> um, but I felt the pangs of loneliness. And I would dare say that some of you have felt that as well. You've been around a lot of people. We're in a room full of people, and some of you might have a, a twinge of loneliness even now. Um, I have over a thousand Facebook friends. <laughs> and yet, I'm lonely sometimes, <laughs> right? Or I can look at the connections that I have with them, and some of them are so shallow that it's like, I've met you once, we're Facebook friends, right? And so, um, anyway, I wanted to share that because it's part of where I came from, but God shifted something in me, and it was at this point. Like I said, I remember I was a middle kid, so I already had middle kid syndrome. It didn't help that one time my family was on a trip from Texas to Florida, and we got to a gas station in Pascagoula, Mississippi, and my mom went in to um, find an ATM because we needed to eat lunch somewhere, and I said, Mom, I'm going to the bathroom, and she said, okay, and she got in the car, and she left across the Pascagoula, Mississippi River, or whatever. And <laughs> so I'm, sta I'm there, I'm 12 probably, like not a teeny tiny, like can't miss me, I'm kind of loud and all that stuff. Um, but it was an hour later that my mom realized, oh my gosh, Brenda's not in the car. <laughs> um, so like, there's a lot going on, right? <laughs> like, I'm a middle kid, I've been forgotten, I don't feel known, I don't feel seen, like hello, so maybe that's why I got real loud. Just kidding. Um, that's not why. Um, but here's where something shifted for me, and I just want to share um, that a major part of my story shifted when I understood that God loved me and he liked me. And so I am going to shift into that, but I want to pray over this because I think um, God has some really cool stuff to share with us today. I believe that every time we encounter God, he wants to shift something for us, um, more of his glory and more of his goodness. And so what I'm going to say today, I really hope it's fun. I hope it's encouraging. I hope that my stories come across as not really silly or whatever. Um, but because it's not just, um, it's very practical, but it's also not just a feel-good thing. It's something that I am convinced in my spirit by our Holy Spirit um, that is something that needs to be shared with you guys. And so would you just pray with me as we enter um, this time of teaching in his word? Father, um, I thank you for Overflow Church. I thank you for the individuals that are in this room right now um, that are gathering here collectively to hear from you. Um, God, I thank you for the celebration that we've had of our seniors, of our um, fifth graders, and of our preschoolers. Um, I feel your delight in this room today. I feel that you have something really fun and something life-giving to give to us today as a gift. And so we just um, open our arms, we open our hands and our hearts to whatever you have to say today. Would you be sweet um, to us as we receive from you and release it to others. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. So I have always been pretty outgoing, but it shifted for me um, when I had an encounter with Jesus. I knew that he liked me and he loved me. And so, um, and like I said, middle child, I was outgoing. I didn't ever, like, let people I didn't wait for people to be my friend. <laughs> in high school, I was 
um, a high-fiver. I don't know. Uh, we weren't a huggy family, but I was a high-fiver. I remember going around in our high school halls and giving people high-fives, and I'd just be like, hey, best friend, Cody Couch, football team. Hey, best friend, um, number 23. You're my pin number on my debit card now because you're cute. Oh, what? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, just the things that I remember um, just putting myself out there and pursuing people regularly, but I also found myself um, not always accepted in that. But I remember the time where uh, my youth pastor said um, that things in the natural can become supernatural. So that high five, I believed that I was a missionary in my high school. I believed that I had something to bring other people. I believed that when I high five somebody and smiled at them that it was going to shift something. Yeah. I just did. <laughs> I just believed it. But I also want to point, like, I didn't know this video, what was going to play about the kids earlier, but I just want to point out, like, they had it, the being kind, the helping people, um, and that kind of stuff. So they kind of preached my message this morning. Um, but here is something um, that, that I knew, that I was outgoing and I was trying to make friends and I was trying to get people to enjoy me and I was trying to be interesting and I was trying to be likable and I was trying to just be noticed right like hello I'm here hi don't forget me hi and I just became loud and I wanted friends but I wanted friends to satisfy something that I was lacking I wanted friends to fill me so that I didn't feel lonely and when that thing shifted with the Lord satisfaction from other people um it wasn't there, but I wasn't satisfied unless I was letting other people know what I had experienced with Jesus. And so it was like I wasn't now looking for friendship to satisfy me, but I wasn't satisfied if I couldn't show people what friendship with God meant. And so that has shifted everything for me. Um, and it has shifted even for student ministry and for hanging out with middle schoolers. So I want to um, just share that I've been in student ministry for a long time. Um, in a couple different areas. And one of the things that was important that I learned a long time ago was um, middle schoolers, they can be weird. And I love them. But it's one of these things, this phrase came up, it says, middle schoolers, they are not a problem to be fixed, but a wonder to behold. Yeah. Right? Can I just say that for you too? <laughs> and your friends and your peers and your neighbors, they're not a problem to be fixed their wonder to behold. And so as I've been asking the Lord how to move from theoretically loving somebody to actually loving somebody, he said, I want you to actually see them. I want you to actually know them. Um, and so <laughs> we as a family have been praying through that and how to actually know somebody. If you love your neighbor as yourself and you don't know your neighbor, what do you do? Well, we wanted to get to know our neighbors <laughs> And so we invited our neighbors over for tacos on Tuesdays. We already eat tacos on Tuesdays, because why not? Um, and we invited our neighbors over for tacos on Tuesday. We started with one neighbor, and um, we just drove by on the road, and I saw a person outside. Like, I live out in the woods, so just so you know, there's not a lot of neighbors around. Um, but it was one of those things that I rolled down the window. I was like, hi, I'm your neighbor. We're moving in in just a couple weeks. Hi. And she's like, oh, hi, weird. Um, and then saw her on the road again, and I said, um, rolled down my window, and I said, um, hey, I'm headed into the Walmart. <laughs> Do you need anything? Walmart's like 20 minutes for me. 
dirt back roads and all this stuff. And she's like, no thanks, ma'am. And I was like, ma'am, I'm old. Okay. Um, and it was uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, well, maybe she doesn't want to be my friend. <laughs> maybe she's like, I'm weird, right? And so another time I see her and I said, hey, Caroline. She goes, oh, my gosh, you remember my name? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and what I understood after that question of her saying, you remembered my name, we had one more conversation. I said, hey, you know what? I met her on the road because we were walking, and she was walking, and I just said, she just had a new baby. I said, congratulations on your new baby. And I said, we live out here kind of in the middle of nowhere, but I want you to know this. I said, I believe that one of my purposes on earth is to help remove aloneness from people. And so if at any time you need a change of scenery, would you come bring your baby to my couch and we can sit and we can have coffee or we can talk or we can do whatever? Um, she's like, ah. <laughs> like, I mean, just turned ghost white. Like, didn't know what to do with this thing. And I was like, no, no, I'm not kidding. Because I know what it feels like to be alone and lonely. And I know what it feels like to be a new mom. And I know what it feels like um, to just need a friend sometimes. And so I said, if anything you need, please don't hesitate. I gave her my phone number. Um, and that was kind of it. And then days and weeks went by. I hadn't seen her. And then it ran into her husband <laughs> or her boyfriend, whatever. And he said, he said, oh, Caroline was telling me about you. She's so excited to have a friend. She's so excited that you're going to be the neighbor. I can't wait for you guys to get to hang out. And I'm like, what? Okay. Um, and I just want to share this to you because what happened was we invited Taco Tuesdays in. But this was our, um, our attempt as a family, like I said, to move from theoretical to actual love in a very practical way. Um, and so we, like I said, already eat tacos. We ended up having an open table, which means we set up tables outside. Now, when I was a younger mom, and when I really had these ideas of like really wanting this big table, I was picturing like this really great oak table with like mismatched chairs and lights and like lace and burlap and like all this cool stuff. And it just was going to be probably in Tennessee where it's always crisp and cool, never humid and muggy like this and not mosquitoes. Um, and I just had this picturesque thing of like, I would love to eat with people. I love to be around people. I want to get to know people more. And God said, why are you waiting? What are you waiting for? And I said, well, I don't know. And so um, for, we went and we bought two um, plastic tables and we got some chairs. And we started doing these Taco Tuesdays out of obedience. And as a family, in obedience as a spiritual discipline that says, you know what, God, you've called us to love people well, but to love people, we need to know people, and to know people, we need to spend time with people. So would you create time for us to spend with people? And so we've been doing Taco Tuesday since December, um, and some of you guys have been to our table, and it's different every week. We've had anywhere from 27 people down to like three extra people. Um, but what I want to share with you is what shifts in that time, um, because, well, I will get there in just a second. Um, <laughs> but what has shifted is a depth of getting to know somebody. Um, our neighbor's name is Caroline. If you see this ever on, hi, I love you. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so they're a little, um, they're cool. They're cool. Um, <laughs> but as we started having Taco Tuesdays, guys, if you don't know this about me, we have pigs at our house. We have a pen full of pigs. We had done Taco Tuesdays for just a couple weeks and we're out of town, and our pigs get loose. And Caroline texted me. She's like, is your boar loose? Because something's eating my trash. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Um, I doubt it. 
He's never gotten out before. I doubt it. Probably not mine. She's like, oh, no. It's yours. They're all loose. There's like seven. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like in full panic mode because my thought process is that I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm far away. She texts me and she says, you know what? We got this. We, put, we got all your pins back in the thing, and um, David reinforced the fence for you. And I was like, what? And she's like, it's our pleasure. And I was like, I don't even get it. So we come back, and we meet later, um, and she just said, we were so happy to help. And I was like, okay, cool. She goes, you don't even understand. We just feel like we're happy to help in anything because Tuesdays has been so awesome for us. It's our favorite day of the week. And I'll tell you what, if this has happened three weeks before, before Taco Tuesdays, guys, these are the kind of people I would have probably thought would have just shot the pigs. <laughs> like, <laughs> your pigs are out. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> I'm not kidding. The spirit shifted something. <laughs> and now we have friends that are willing and happy to help when we're in need. And so I just give all the credit to God for that. And here's another story that happened really sweet this last week because it's part of, um, this is very, again, just practical, but I believe that so much of scripture is practical in how we live out the gospel. Um, last week, um, like I said, we've been doing this a long time. Caroline and David come almost faithfully every week and she makes this great plate of food and she's walking across um, and she dumps the entire plate on the floor. And it like... Okay. To me, I'm like, that's a mess, whatever. And she, um, she was ashamed and she was frustrated and she was angry and she was embarrassed and she got down on her knees and her hair kind of fell in her face and she just starts cleaning this stuff up. I was like, I was like, girl, don't worry about that. I'll get that. And she just got down on the floor and she's just trying and trying and trying to, to just blend into the floorboards, I think at this point, and I walked around and I knelt down with her and I'm like, hey, this is not a problem. This is not a problem, we are so loved here. This is just an inconvenience. I was like, we go, I got this, you go get another plate. And she looked up and there's tears just streaming down her face and she just couldn't quite get it together to like go make another plate yet. So I just sat there with her on the floor for a minute. I'm like, it's okay, you're okay, you're okay here. And so we ended up getting to go um, to the bathroom, which is a whole, like, three steps away. Um, and she's going to wash her hands and try to compose herself. And I just got to share with her one of these things. And it said like this, I know what that must have felt like. I remember growing up in a house where mistakes were unacceptable. And I was usually punished for them. If I dropped something, if I spilled something, if I tripped on something, I was made to feel really stupid. I was like, but... I've experienced some healing from a God that says this is not a problem. And so it is so easy for me to look at you and to be like, there is no shame in this accident. Girl, I'm here with you. And it's so easy for me to give grace because of the work that God has done in my life. And that is like a really simple story. But did you know that that's the gospel being lived out practically? Because it's the story of places that we have fallen short, where we have made a mistake, where we have done something that causes a mess, and God leans right in with us, and he says, I can help restore that so that you can help restore that and other people. And so um, that is kind of where I wanted to, to start that story, but I also wanted to share with you um, very practical ways. Did you know that it takes about 200 hours to move somebody from an acquaintance to a friend? 200 hours. 
There's probably not a whole lot of people outside of your immediate family you spent 200 hours with. But if you have, maybe it's been fun. I don't know. Um, you see, some of my very favorite parts of life, if I were to look back, and Josh asks me all the time, like, hey, what are some of your favorite memories? Some of my all-time favorite memories um, are youth camp as a teenager, mission trips, and college dorm life. I loved all of those. And you know why? Because I was living in community. <laughs> when I was in, um, at youth camp, we left our town and we went and we stayed in college dorms and we were with our friends and we were getting ready together, we were eating meals together, we were taking our Bibles together, um, we were, you know, telling each other that, like, it's the first time probably somebody said, Brittany, you have something in your teeth that I felt like it was a caring something in your teeth, not like my sibling was like, <laughs> something in your teeth, <laughs> you're so dumb. You know, it was like a friend leaning and saying like, hey, I'm caring for you, I'm not letting you walk out like that, right? And so then there's um, mission trips um, where you're eating together, you're spending time together. Um, Y'all, it's uncomfortable sometimes <laughs> on a mission trip. Um, we're praying together, we're doing communion together, we're leaning in, but we're also trusting one another with some things. Um, when the days get hard, it's on a mission trip that um, I've been on to Mexico several times, I've been to Haiti. Um, you're not cute on a mission trip. Like, there's, <laughs> there's, there's nothing um, pleasing about the way that, <laughs> uh, you know, it's hot, it's sweaty, you're in, whatever, and you... Um, you need things that are otherly. Like, we were in Haiti one time. I'm just saying, like, um, I had a friend that she needed prayer because she was terrified of tarantulas. That's a real thing in Haiti. It's, and so we prayed for her and her fear of tarantulas. Our bodyguard guy was afraid of them, too. He was just going to shoot them. Um, I'm not kidding. They were crazy. Um, but also, <laughs> we need things from each other when we're on a mission trip. We need encouragement. We need sustenance. We need time together. We need somebody to help us go to the bathroom sometimes if it's just on the side of the road. Like, there's been some stories of where you need something from somebody. Um, and then in college, I love living in the college dorms. Um, I went to a Bible college, and so the boys were on the bottom floor. The girls were on the top floor because Christian college, you don't mix those. Um, anyway, in two different times, I lived upstairs, and Josh Baylog lived right below me. Two different rooms, like, directly below me, and we just lived in community. We had a great time. We were sharing what we needed. We studied together. We studied the Word of God together. We ate our meals together. Um, there were times where... Uh, I don't know if you were hungry or if I was just trying to win your love and affection, but I remember, like, having a basket that I would lower down with muffins to his <laughs> window right below mine, and he'd, like, take the muffins. I'm like, basket, back up. And so, <laughs> like, extrovert here, pursuing the introvert, you're not getting away, I don't know, muffins. <laughs> I don't know. But here's the thing is we were living in some kind of community and we weren't even, we didn't even know we were just doing it and it felt right and it felt good and it felt necessary. Um, and so it's that times that I would look at those and say, well, what is different than what we live normally? Well, we had to leave what we normally did in our school and in our jobs and in our places. And we went to Haiti and we lived somewhere different and we did things differently. Um, and 
my thought is just like, man, if that's so good and so sweet there, why do we walk away from that and come back here? Why don't we adopt some of those practices while we're here? Why don't we spend some time together in vulnerability? Like, I don't know that, um, I've never had anybody tell me to pray for them about spiders in their house or, <laughs> or ask um, some very practical things, but I do know that, there's, that we need each other. And sometimes we don't know why or how or when, um, but here's a biblical truth. <clears throat> I have a whole list, um, if that can go, I don't know if there's somebody even back in that sound booth, but um, I have a slide that is a Greek word is called Al, I don't know if it's if it doesn't come, that's okay. Al Elon. I don't know how to say that. I'm Texan, not Greek. Um, so it's A L L E L O N, and it means each other, one another, mutually and reciprocally. It's used a hundred times in Scripture, and fifty nine are about how to and how not to relate to one another in community. If it were on the screen, which I can email it to you if you need me to, um, it talks about how we're to honor one another, how we're to encourage one another, how we're to, um, to, um, to lean in to one another, how to show each other God's love. Did you know that it says in Scripture in John 13, 35, it says that they will know that we're Christians by our love, by our unity, by the way we do the one another thing. But did you know this? You can't do the one another things by yourself. You have to have the other person. And so that means we have to move from loving somebody theoretically to loving somebody tangibly. And sometimes that goes with friendship because did you know that it is, it sits different if I want to correct you and you don't feel like I know you? That doesn't breed trust. It breeds contentment. Did you know that if I come to you and I say, hey, I don't know if you're exactly leaning on God's truth right there, but I don't have any relational equity with you. You might be like, kook, and then you walk away, <laughs> right? You might not trust or you might not have that, that equity. And I would like to say that now's the time for us, church, to start building relational equity with other people so that we can live the one another's. Yeah. And here's the thing, that it takes friendship. And I don't actually care if you're the kind of person that has a shirt that says, I love coffee and like three people. Or you're an introvert and it says, I'm not going outside, it's too people-y out there, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I would keep the shirt if you want to, but can we leave that principle? <laughs> can we say that even if you're an extreme introvert, that it's time to pursue people with the love of Christ? It just means you have to recharge differently. I get it if you don't get fueled up by being around people. That means be around people, love them well, and then recharge in private. I'm an extrovert, and I'm still only as good in public as I am in private with my father. I don't take my boldness and make friends with it. I take the Holy Spirit, and I make friends with it, right? And so I'm giving something that he's given me, which is exactly what our thing. We live to receive and release God's love to everyone everywhere, and that comes with Back to that wall, Fred. Intimacy. <laughs> and so here's the thing that I'm so incredibly practical, and I hope that you hear this as encouragement because, um, guys, we have a lot of excuses or a lot of explanations why friendship hasn't quite worked with us. We have a lot of friends on Facebook. We have a lot of people that we connect with shallowly, but we don't have deep community. And part of that, um, 
there's some reasons why it's hard, right? Maybe um, I'm telling you that you need to have friends and you're like, nobody's ever been my friend. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you haven't experienced that from a person and they haven't treated you well. Perhaps you've been vulnerable and you've been embarrassed by that. I'm really sorry. Perhaps you, um, you didn't... You know what? It's just the same thing. I go back to middle school principals all the time with our middle schoolers um, and teenagers in general. Like, I'm going to flip it on you. You're going to see it here in a second. I know that I know that I know our deepest longing is to be fully known and fully loved, right? I know that. But the fear is when we're fully known, what is somebody going to do with it? Are they going to walk away? Are they going to ridicule us? Are they going to ghost us? Are they going to make fun of us? Are they going to leave? Are they going to um, stay? We don't know, right? And so um, on the other side of the knowledge, what's going to happen? So in middle school, in middle school ministries, we've always aimed for our student ministry to be a safe place to be known and love. So when somebody shares something, we very much practice. If you share something vulnerably, we make sure that this is a safe place for you to receive God's love, for a safe place for you to be known and then loved. But guess what, guys? It's not middle schoolers (laughs) that just need that. That's not a longing of just elementary age kids and middle school kids. But guess what? They're almost more likely to share more of themselves than we are because their walls aren't quite as high yet. Right? And so their blockades aren't keeping them in yet. And so I lean to intimacy with Christ because it's when Christ says, I know that you weren't loved well. I know that you've been hurt. I know that you've been stung by the pains of rejection and you shrink back because of fear and you isolate because of projections. And I say that in the intimacy with the Father, he wants to heal that thing. He wants to take that thing and he wants to restore you so that you know who you are. And now you're not walking in a room saying, who wants to be my friend? Because I know that we're ready to wait for somebody else to make the first move. I know that we're comfortable putting some things on other people and being disgruntled and saying, nobody wants to be my friend. I know that we can say, I've tried. And you know what? Nobody's ever invited me to lunch. I know that, um, that you know, maybe... People just don't want to be my friend. Maybe they just want to like me. We can come up with all of these things. Um, and it really comes down to the point of if I know who I am and I'm loved by Jesus, who is my best friend, that has never made fun of me, that has never left me, he's never rejected me, he's never shunned me, he's never done anything but joined me on the floor with my taco mess. And he's lifted my head and he says, now what I've done for you, I want you to do for others. So watch this. I have... <laughs> Time after time, been a pursuer of people because Christ has pursued me. That does not mean it always goes well. I want to invite you into the life of awkward, okay? Like, here's the thing, though. We get to the point where we don't want anything to feel awkward, so we don't try anything new. We don't want to try again with the neighbor because it was awkward last time. I'd say the only way to make friends in deep communities consistently show up, even when it's inconvenient, Um, and to consistently lean in, and it can't be because of what we feel like, right? That's the part of expectancy, is trusting God's faithfulness over our feelings. Well, she didn't respond to me how I wanted her to. Maybe she doesn't want to be my friend. Try again. 
oh, well, maybe um, I'm, this doesn't work out well. Okay, maybe try again. But it's going back to the place with the father in intimacy where he says, this is who you are, not dependent on how they respond, not dependent on how they respond, not dependent on how people respond to you. You're walking in obedience because of who you are as a daughter or as a son, and you're being a conduit of love and grace. Okay? And so that is what God calls us to over and over again. But guess what? Things still hurt. My feelings still get crushed, and I still feel like a dummy sometimes. And I go back into my prayer closet and say, God, what do you say about this? And he says, I know, that was awkward. And here's what I say about you. And he reminds me who I am. And he reminds me that I'm full of something that's good and worth sharing and worth um, pouring out into other people. And that's the part of um, community that I think matters. But we also have restoration is another thing. So as we're intimate with the Father. He's restoring something in us so that we can help restore things in other people. And just like restoration, Pastor Lynn says, is not a one-time thing that we walk out of. Um, it, there's levels of that. But did you know that if you take your personal restoration and you take it into community, there's layers of that that get sweeter because you're doing it with other people. Did you know that there's intimacy with God that you do on your own in your prayer closet? But when you take intimacy with God in a group, it becomes sweeter. Did you know that? When you pray with other people and you worship with other people and you're, you're intimate with the Father sharing vulnerability in your spiritual life, something sweet comes alive. Ah, I get so excited about that stuff. <laughs> um, and then it's the other thing. When I know that I can trust God's faithfulness over my feelings on my own, that's a, a mindset shift. But when I can enter a group and a community with people who are going to remind me of that and live that with me, y'all, something comes alive there. If I forget who I am and you can say to me, oh, Brenda, remember that promise we've been praying? Don't let go now. Brenda, don't let go. I'm with you. I'm wrapping myself around you if you're feeling weak. Brenda, don't forget who God say, says you are. Don't forget that he hasn't looked away. Don't forget that he's still providing. Don't forget, Brenda, that, that he has never once turned his face from you, and he's not disappointed in you, and he's not frustrated with you. Don't forget that. He's, his faithfulness is more than your feelings. Don't trust those feelings, girl. They don't, they're not, no. <laughs> right? That's the thing that in community, those things become alive. But here's the thing. If we stay just Facebook friends, we don't get there. If we're not sharing time together, we can be acquaintances and we think sometimes that we can live in our crowded, screen-lit, isolated worlds and sporadically invest in um, some acquaintances and magically friendship will appear. And I'm just here to say it doesn't. It doesn't do that because it takes a selfless kind of love that says, you know what, I don't really care how I'm going to come. It's not that I don't care what people think of me. It's that I don't care if I look foolish in my pursuit of you to show you God's love. I'm okay with that. I want to show you who God has been to me. And it doesn't have to be in a weird, kooky, Christian kind of way. It's just come have tacos with me. Um, and it's, I'm going to go one step further, that you might have <laughs> some friends. Maybe you live the college dorm life and that time was rich for you. Or maybe what I'm talking about has not been your experience whatsoever. I want to say that new things are ahead. <laughs> that there is something new for you that can totally come of that. And here is... Um, the thing, it's, I believe that, um, you know, it says that it takes a, a village to raise a child. And I would say it takes a village to raise a disciple as well. 
And so we need one another. But we need to, to lean in and we need the reciprocation. So it's not I'm taking you as a friend as a project. It's I want to be your friend because we have something for one another. Um, friendship is costly and sometimes it's hard. Um, but I want you to know that I believe that you can do hard things. That God is with you. He's in you. He's for you. Um, you can show up. And you can show up again. And you can make a mistake. And you can be forgiven. And you can be hurt. And you can offer forgiveness. And then you can do it again. It's hard, but I believe it's worth it. It's worth it. If the Bible says over a hundred times this one another, this reciprocation, this mutual friendship thing that we do for one another, I believe it's true. And so we don't have to know theologically all the reasons why. We just need to start doing what we know is true. And so I just want to encourage you guys. Can I bless you? Um, as um, I just want God to seal some of the things that I've shared with you. And this is not all really what I had in my book, so that was exciting. <laughs> but um, <laughs> gracious, good, Heavenly Father, I thank you that your plan for humanity is good and right. God, we repent of the ways where we've looked to try to hold things on our own or we've tried to fix them on our own or we've tried to walk in a way that's counter what you would have. God, will you repent of the ways that we've tried to do this alone for too long? God, I ask that you would begin restoring hearts, that you would begin shifting the thought of what friendship and what community is, that you would break down the ideas that say that I don't need you. God, in very practical ways, would you show us that maybe we don't have to run to Amazon when we need something. We can run to our next door neighbor and borrow something. That we can ask um, somebody to spend time in our space even before we have our stuff together. God, would you let us get creative in the ways that we invite people into our world and the way that we see people and the way that we're less trying to impress anybody, but we're trying to get to know them because they bear your image. And so, God, would we fall in love with people because you have made them? Would we fall in love with people and show them love because of who they are, not what we bring to them and not necessarily what they bring to us, but because it's a better expression of who you are when we get to know people? God, would you um, let us walk in a new way this week? Would we reprioritize something that says, I don't want to just do things as I've always done it. I want to try something new because you're calling me something greater. God, would you bless our church congregation that as we gather here together, that we would scatter together also in community, that we're more effective in our private lives, we're more effective at our jobs, we're more effective in our parenting, and our finances align with you because we're known and we're seen and we're rallied around and we're celebrated and we're mourned with. God, would you show us more and more what with looks like as a church in our region, as in the Tampa Bay and beyond, and here, God, would we lean in to know one another so we can truly say we love one another. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.